traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This week on the show, we're talking to Kevin Russell. Kevin might have come into your consciousness in the 90s when he was lead singer and guitar player for the acclaimed Americana band, The Gourds. These days, Kevin is leading Shiny Ribs as songwriter, singer, guitar player, multi-instrumentalist, ukulele player, and Kevin's band, Shiny Ribs, has won numerous awards, including the most recent Austin Music Award for Best Band. Shiny Ribs is one of the most dynamic live bands you'll see as well, and Shiny Ribs are also avid foodies. They have albums named after food. One album is called Ochre Candy. They've got songs about donut and taco places. And Kevin tells us about his music and some of his favorite places to get some of his favorite foods, both in Austin and on the road. Now, you might realize that we did an episode about Austin a few weeks ago. If you want more detail about things to do in Austin, you can go to episode 12 of Destination Eat Drink. This is a good time to talk to Kevin because South by Southwest, the huge festival is going on right now in Austin, Texas. And during the show, Kevin will tell us about some of the places his band, Shiny Ribs, will be playing during South by Southwest. But first, let me remind you that if you want to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink, you can do so anywhere you get podcasts, whether it's on iTunes, whether it's on Google Play, whether it's on Spotify, they all have Destination Eat Drink. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review it. Well, let's just jump right into it with Kevin Russell. We've got him on the phone from Austin, Texas. Kevin, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here, man. All right. Uh, Kevin, for those who aren't familiar with the band Shiny Ribs, and you mm-hmm. should be, how would you describe your music? Oh, gosh. Um, I call it psychoactive Gulf Coast country funk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an amalgamation of lots of root styles, mostly informed by uh, Texas, Gulf Coast, Louisiana. Um, roots music, um, swamp pop, blues, country, soul, uh, Tex-Mex, uh, rock and roll, you know, R&B. I was going to say, you know, when, when I was thinking about this, I'm like, how, how do you describe to someone who hasn't heard Shiny Ribs? How do you describe it to them? And I was going to say, well, yeah. it's kind of like the kitchen sink, everything's in there. But then I thought a better description might be gumbo because yeah. everything goes in and it kind of simmers together and you come out with yeah. something unique. Yeah, that's that's a, uh, yeah, it's that it's just that um, yeah, I was raised on gumbo, <laughs> and being in in Austin especially, I mean, really this is a musically diverse state, and we're right in the middle of it in Austin, so you you're really exposed to everything musically that Texas has to offer. And I think I think a lot of folks from outside of Austin, they think when they think of Austin, they think maybe country music or maybe just straight right. rock music. But it yeah. really is so much more than that. On any night, you can go and see any style of music in Austin. Absolutely. Everything is here. I mean, from from the most uh, derivative folk stylings of Tejano, Cajunto, Cumbia to uh, country, honky, all different types of country music. From old-fashioned, you know, hillbilly string music, honky-tonk, swing, um, Nashville, you know, modern pop country, uh, uh, through blues, you got blues, you got R&B, you got disco, you got techno, you got you got ambient experimental stuff going on, jazz, you got all kinds of jazz happening, singer-songwriter, I mean, anything you want, really. <laughs> well, you know, Kevin, the thing about Shiny Ribs, you've got these great records out, but the shows the live shows they're legendary you as a leader are just in perpetual motion singing dancing switching from electric to acoustic to mandolin to ukulele which i love and Mm -hmm. and you often Mm. will lead the uh, congo line where did you develop this flair for showmanship you know over the years um 
the Congoline thing I got from um, a group out of Denton, Texas called Brave Combo, a polka band. Uh, I saw them one night in Shreveport, Louisiana, where I used to live. They played a show across the street from a diner I was at. They did a conga line out across the street into the diner, out of the diner, back to the club. Oh, <laughs> man. I, I who that is. I'm following them. <laughs> and that's when I heard Brave Combo for the first time. Uh, they, they're stalwarts of Texas music, incredible musicians. So I, I started doing conga lines, you know, long ago, and uh, quit doing them during the Gord's years, um, but uh, came back to it um, eventually, the Shiny Rips thing. Um, you know, James Brown, Elvis Presley, Tom Jones, um, gosh, who else? Um, uh, you know, people like that. I mean, I've always liked the showmanship, uh, um, but... Yeah, I, you know, it's always kind of come natural to me, too. It's uh, it's just something I just norm- naturally do up there. <laughs> yeah, and your, your dancing while you're on stage is very uh, unique but natural at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's natural. I'm not, I don't really practice. I don't have a choreographer. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, it's just natural dance moves that I've done my whole life, really, since I was a kid. Um, so I wanted to ask you about a couple of songs in particular, uh, take me Lake Charles to me, that mm-hmm. sounds very autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, is it autobiographical and did you actually lose your license when Rita came ashore? <laughs> well, my, you know, I think my cousin did, but, uh, one of my cousins, I think it was a cousin, but maybe it was just a friend of my cousin's, but, uh, you know, it's partially autobiographical. It really does. The roots of that song come from. Going over to the casinos with my my aunt and uncle and my mom and dad, um, just you know, for kicks, just for fun. Um, we did that a couple times, and um, I just thought it was funny, you know, to be there with my family at the casino. And, and I looked around, and there are a lot of family to go there. I think casinos are just bizarre places, you know. I, I don't really like casinos, but. Um, they are interesting places, really great people watching and kind of a great place to, to do some, some sociological experiments. Yeah. You know, some of the casinos, some of the best ones, they're not the big glitzy ones. They're kind yeah. of the ramshackle sad yeah. casinos. Those are the most fun. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's some, there's some out in you know, California that are a lot of fun actually that are small. And they, really feel like, they feel more like bars with, with machines and them, you know, but, um, yeah, but the big giant ones we have here uh, along the Louisiana border and up in Oklahoma and some of the um, Native American uh, casinos, they're just gigantic, gaudy, kind of Vegas-style casinos. Um, and uh, they can be fun, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's just the, that's the sort of uh, seed of that song. And then it, I just, I just um, sort of uh, pieced together a narrative from that experience, uh, based on a character, you know, uh, it's like a short story. Yeah. In, in the song. So I, I think I maybe misheard one of the lyrics for, yeah. I, I don't know. The song came out, what, five, six years ago now. And all yeah. this time I thought when you were talking about the Louisiana state troopers, you said they target the freaks and yeah. I looked it up online and it said target the free, which one is it? Freaks oh. or free? That's very different, yeah. Yeah. No, I say freaks. Okay, that's what I always thought. And I looked it up, and I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. The free, that's a totally different meaning. Yeah, somebody must, there must be somebody else that didn't write it. (laughs) You know, you get the bad lyrics online sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's freaks. It is freaks for sure, because they do. You know, uh, there's a thing on I-10 there, you know, the state troopers are, Pretty uh, pretty aggressive, and they uh, are. I don't know. They still do, but they, at one time they did seem to be targeting certain kinds of people. Um, you know, and I say freaks because that encompasses all all my people, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the whole tribe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so the podcast is called Destination Eat Drink. We celebrate food, and I think Shiny Ribs is one of the bands that really celebrates food out there. You had a you had an album called Okra Candy, which yeah. uh, what does Okra Candy mean specifically? Because I'm not familiar with that. Well, I I'm not really you know what I thought it was is really Okra chips. 
uh, the dehydrated okra. And I, I was in a I was in a, a grocery store one day and uh, one night, and I swear I got some of those, and I swear it said okra candy. And I thought, oh, that's a funny name for this, you know. And I got, I loved it. And I, but I went back, you know, the next week to get some more, and it it didn't say that anymore. And I asked an employee, I said, didn't it say okra candy? And they're like, no, but it's, it's okra chips. And I was like. Maybe I just subliminally, you know, changed it to candy. <laughs> you, you you saw an album title there, man, and you knew it. It was yeah, there. Exactly. Like that would be a great yeah, that's a great album title. So I, I've never had okra chips either. Describe what are they like? Uh-huh. It's just dehydrated okra, really, with, with seasoned, you know, uh like the veggie chips you get, uh dehydrated beets or carrots or anything. And uh they're they can be really good, you know. They vary uh, from times I've gotten them. They're, they're pretty inconsistent depending on who makes them. Um, sometimes they can be a little tough and stringy, but sometimes they can they split. And it's almost like maybe eating uh, savory fiberglass. <laughs> <laughs> they, they like shatter in this weird way. It's kind of interesting, and it, it can be good. Sometimes it's not good. I don't eat them all the time, but I was into them for a while because. I got really into hummus for a while, and I was just looking for other alternative things to dip in my hummus, you know, instead of uh, instead of like pita chips and things that were high carb, you know. Right. Um, so, um, so I was getting into dehydrated vegetables for a while, uh, but I finally weaned myself off my hummus habit. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I I want to talk about the song uh, Donut Taco Palace. Because Donut Taco Palace yeah. is a real place in Austin. I, th- I think the original one might have closed, but there's Donut Taco Palace 2 is open. I, I'm, I'm not sure about the facts on this. But anyway, talk about Donut Taco yeah. Palace because it's such a Austin-type thing to me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I think I think the people that opened it are, I want to say they're either Filipino or Indonesian. Um, so... The the strike is the reason I went there. Eventually, it was it was it was right next to my children's middle school that they went to at the time. Uh, it was a middle school called Clint Small Middle School, and it was at, at an exit um, called Industrial Oaks, which I thought was hilarious too. I'm like, what is an industrial oak? <laughs> I, I just, that always made me laugh. Was Industrial Oaks, which I think would be a good band name, and. Uh, so there was this, and they loved Donut Taco Palace, uh, and so it was right by the school. And every Friday, we would go early and get donuts in from Donut Taco Palace, and uh, they would go to school early and hang out with their friends and eat donuts. And it's a tradition. So, but every time I walk into that place, that that hook, Donut Taco Palace, Donut Taco, that would just be in my head, I and mean, it was in my head for a couple of years. And I would always say to myself, "Yeah, I really need to." I need to write that song, you know. It's just stuck in my head, and I've got to write it. So eventually, I I did write the song. Um, uh, just you know, I was going after kind of a Doug Sum, Joe King Carrasco kind of thing. That's uh, what it was suggested to me. Uh, it's a cool place, though. It's like they, it's donuts, as I said, and they have and they have tacos. Uh, and like I tell a lot of people, they're not they're not the they're not the best tacos. They're not the worst tacos. They're just the ones that are closest to my house, right? So <laughs> I don't want people to think just because I'm singing about it, it's great, right? Same with Lake Charles. People send me uh, pictures where they're driving through Lake Charles and they're all excited. They're like, we're in Lake Charles. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not really. I mean, it's kind of the, you know, like Ray Wiley Hubbard says, the thing about Thing about irony is no one ever gets it. Right. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> mean to glamorize. You weren't glamorizing yeah. the place. Yeah, I'm not glamorizing, but it you know, music can do that, you know. Um, and so if you write songs about a place, it tend it tends to glamorize it. But um, but Lake Charles is lovely. Don't get me wrong. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so you go into this place and it's very small, and uh, they're churning out the donuts. The donut the the tacos are pre-made. It's not like fresh or anything. And uh, and it's pretty ba- pretty basic, really. Um, and then there's like some Buddha. They have Buddhas all over the place, and like a little Buddha tip jar, and uh, they're Buddhists. And um, I just thought that was just such a cool fusion of things, you know, donuts and tacos and Buddhists next to 
Clint Small Middle School <laughs> at Industrial Oaks Boulevard. And <laughs> all that together just really turned me on. I just thought, this is so great. It just stimulated me. Oh, um, only in Austin, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, that's the way I see the world. I, I look around and when I observe things and when they sort of make an interesting fusion, things things that seem opposed that are suddenly together and make sense somehow. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, so, uh, the, and they actually do have something called a donut taco, and it's basically like a torta, <laughs> but it's fried. It's like fried donut bread, and then they, they fill it with whatever, you know, bacon, eggs, sausage, and so... I got a donut taco once, and man, it is one of the heaviest things I've ever oh, eaten. Oh, jeez, I can't imagine. I, even, I mean, I could maybe eat a third of it. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, so getting back to the song "Donut Taco Palace," yeah. I just, I one thing I notice about that song, you talked about all the different uh, gumbo of sounds that you put in there. To me, the chorus of "Donut Taco Palace" almost sounds punk rock to me. Um, yeah, I do you got do you got some of that in you? Oh, definitely. No, I'm, uh, yeah, the early '80s. That's uh, I was in Shreveport, and I was a, a North Louisiana punk rocker for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that is definitely my roots are there, and that's my my uh, teenage years were uh, full of uh, you know SST bands like Husker Du, Minute Men, Replacements, X. Uh, yeah, those kind of bands I love. Gun Club. Um, some of my favorite bands, Meat Puppets. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely from that school. <laughs> I, I can I can definitely see uh, pogoing yeah. to uh, Donut Taco Palace. I don't know if a yeah. pogo ever breaks out in a mosh pit at a shiny rib show, but I can see it for that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the Joe King Carrasco thing. He was, you know, the, he was like Tex-Mex meets punk, you know, to me. that That's kind of what he was doing, so, yeah. And then I used um, Chris Cummings, who played uh, keyboards for Joe King Carrasco. She plays on that recording because I wanted her thing. She does. It's it's unique to her. You know, she's kind of like she's kind of kind of like Augie Myers, you know, but like a less accomplished Augie Myers. <laughs> yeah, she's oh. a pretty amateur player. She's not. She, she will, will admittedly say, like, I, you know, I don't really. I don't really know how to play this thing that well. <laughs> but and I was like, yeah, but way, the way you touch it and the way you do it is unique to you. you know? and I want that thing. So. That's the most important thing. Is it you? It is. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Shiny Ribs, you guys spend a lot of time on the road touring. For you, Kevin, what's the criteria for good road food? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I like I – like you know, homemade, down home, fresh, you know, I mean, if you can get farm to market kind of stuff, then that's great. And that's more and more common. But, um, you know, mostly I like, I like it fatty, you know, <laughs> savory, uh, greasy. I like down home, soul food, comfort food, Southern food, mostly, um, you know, that's, that's what I go for often. Um, you know, most times we are getting our, our, our own breakfast is, is, is our lunch. You know, is when we, we leave, um, um, we, when we leave the hotel, you know, we got, we have to drive and we'll leave early and we'll plan a meal. Then sometimes it's sort of the breakfast lunch time period. So depending on where we are, we'll look for different things. You know, um, it just, it's a regional thing and we usually want to eat at, at the regionally uh, best place. So, you know, soul food, if you're in the deep south, you know, or ribs or something like that. Um, you know, but if you're in on the east coast or something, we like to hit a great diner, you know. Um, sure. But yeah, that, and that's the, that's kind of our, the way we operate. Uh, depending on where we are, we want the, the regionally best cuisine, you know. What, what the region's known for is what we're always after. So. so are there any towns where you're you're going to on tour and you say, oh, we're going to XYZ town. I can't wait to go here to get a meal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so like, uh, you know, drive, like going to, to Louisiana, once, once you get 
just once you get right over the border around Lake Charles and between Lake Charles and Lafayette, then you start seeing, you know, all the boudin houses and, uh, those are always fun to stop at, you know, and get some, get some smoked boudin is usually what I'm after. So, um, to me, that's the best, the best way to have boudin. Um, and what uh, exactly is boudin? It's, uh, it's, uh, basically like, um, dirty rice. Uh, in, in, a, in a sausage casing is basically right. it's a little more meaty pork uh, organ meat and rice seasonings uh, and it you know it varies from whoever makes it but uh, and there's a lot of ways to eat it you know so um, but the, when you smoke boudin it's it's so good it's so great uh, so a lot of and so the traditional way is to to steam it and you you Cut cut off the end and you squeeze it onto a cracker and eat it on a cracker. It's like uh, pate or something. Uh, you know, you're basically squeezing the sausage out onto a cracker, and uh, it's really great that way. But um, so there's a place, one place that comes to mind that that we've eaten that many times. They don't, I don't know if they do smoked boudin. They do the traditional boudin and they have tasso. You know, the smoked. Um, the uh, smoked sausage, you know, tasso, uh, and and uh, some other various things, but they're they're more traditional. Uh, it's called best stop, b e s t stop, best stop, and that's I want to say that's just uh, just west of Lafayette, um, yeah, off I ten there, and there's big signs for it, uh, and that's a fun place to stop. You get, as I remember, that they got some really thick. Uh, Cajun accents there. Those are always fun to hear. Yeah, especially especially if some of their kids are like hanging out, sitting on the counter by the register, talking to their mom, who's ringing you up. Those little kids talking Cajun is a kick, man. To hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so that smoked boudin, it's kind of like a, a a French influence with the boudin, and then yeah, and then it's got the the Texas New Orleans. Uh, accent with the smokiness that's a that's really interesting yeah. that they combine those two together yeah yeah that's the thing southwest louisiana southeast texas or that's its own little culture there you know um like in beaumont port arthur where i'm from that's where i was born um yeah they'll grill boudin which at one point i think was thought of as sacrilegious to grill boudin and it because it'll kind of fall apart it's not it's not a real uh dense sausage, you know, because it has rice in it and there's a lot of air in there. But um, but it's really good that way. Um, you know, I thought it was sacrilege personally. When I the first time I went to Beaumont and I played a party and they were grilling boudin, I was like, what the hell are y'all doing? Yeah, rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, we do anything we want. It's boudin here. And, you know, I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that is damn good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess y'all know what you did. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a great cook there. He's a he mostly caters um, all around Beaumont. His name's uh, Rich Corville. Uh, we call him Big Rich and uh, Corville, C O U R V I L L E. And him and his family uh, have run this catering business for a long time. He also does supper shows. We play there at his little place on Highway 90 there. Um, and he always what he does it is. He has a show, and you you pay uh, a ticket. Maybe it might be twenty, thirty bucks, I guess. But you get a meal, and you get a show all for that one ticket. So, you know, you get maybe like 150, 200 people in there, and uh, they get a great meal that Rich and them make in the kitchen there. And man, it always smells so good in that place. Man, he does, and he has a lot of fun with food. Rich does, but he he does some great smoked boudin. He does etouffee and gumbo and all that stuff. Um, but they do all kind of fun food, you know. And, uh, Rich, Rich has turned me on to a lot of that that stuff, you know. He he's always got a suggestion for somewhere interesting to eat around there. Sounds like a party, you know. Oh, it's always in, a party. You get a big o- big old like meal, my- and you got shiny ribs up on stage. How can you go? Uh-huh. Right, right. Oh yeah, right. It's a good night. Yeah. So you've been in Austin now for at least twenty five years, maybe more. Um, yeah. Where where are some of your go to places in Austin besides Donut Taco Palace? Yeah, um, well, you know, I love uh, um, Cisco's uh, down on Sixth Street. Uh, 
it's East East 6th Street. Uh, Cisco's has been there for know, 50 years, 60 years, I guess. Um, and that's a place I go for Migas. To me, that's that's where you go for Migas. And when I first moved to Austin, Cisco was still alive. and He would sit back there. He was a real cool character, big, thick black glasses. And he'd always be dressed really well and had a butt of a cigar in his mouth and he had his table, he was always at, and he had his cronies all around him. And uh, they'd look at you when you walked in, like, what are you doing in my place? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, but the, the Vegas are great. And so uh, then I think, you know, it, it was up for sale recently, and it, was, it felt like it was a, yet another iconic Austin place that might, that might you know, perish. Oh, and, no. or, you know, but uh, Cisco, I want to say his grandson got some investors together and his grandson bought the place and has revived it and turned it in. He's got the same menu, but he's doing farm to market from all the, he's getting all local, locally sourced stuff to make the same food, you know? Uh, and I went there recently. It was great. Um, so, and they're, they're keeping later hours. Cisco's used to be a breakfast, lunch, then close at two o'clock kind of day, kind of place, you know, but now they're staying up to like late and they have a bar and catering to the, to the nightlife down there on East Six, which is hopping. Um, uh, I'd say uh, there's a place called Luke's Inside and Out. Luke's Inside Out. It's a food cart next to the Gibson Bar on South Lamar. Uh, Luke is a longtime friend uh, in Austin. He's a true, true freak brother. Uh, him and his wife Tracy opened this food cart a few years back. And uh, it's he Luke does all kinds of crazy fusion stuff out of his cart. There, he's a real creative. He's a true artist, you know, and he has fun with food. Uh, probably more fun than any man should have with food. But <laughs> he has fun with food. Uh, so that's definitely one of my places. I love to get the burger there. It's one of my favorite burgers. Um, and also brunch. His brunch is, I think, the best in town. I love going there for brunch. Uh, it's always great. It's always interesting. Uh, had had green green eggs and lamb omelet last time I was there on brunch. Oh day. my goodness, <laughs> and that was really good. <laughs> and then it, my wife wanted me to bring her the shrimp and grits, but it, it's a tasting menu, so it's not like traditional shrimp and grits. He made these he made these little fried grit balls that were filled with with shrimp inside of them. So they're like little fried like boudin balls almost, but they were made from grits and fried and had shrimp inside of them, that two face stuff. Um, they were really good. Um, so yeah, he does fun stuff like that. Um, uh, he made an omelet with, with ramen in it at one time. I, I can't remember everything that was in it. Uh, it was so, such the trippiest omelet I've ever had. <laughs> it really wow. felt like that's the week. So he's using what, whatever he's had, you know, all weekend that he didn't get rid of. He's like putting it all together to make it. <laughs> Which is cool, you know. Um, uh, what else? Texas Chili Parlor is a long-time establishment here that does great Texas chili. Uh, it's true Texas red chili. You know, if you want the real thing, that's the place to go. Um, gosh, well, I mean, there's so many places here. Um, you know, Franklin's Barbecue, Style Switch Barbecue, Nickel Flakes. There's so much great barbecue here. Like, when I first moved here, there was, there was really, there was like Sam's on the east side, you know, and there was like a place called Ruby's that's since gone out of business who were doing like organic brisket and stuff. But other than that, it was really no real great barbecue here until, until Franklin's came along and ignited this barbecue revolution. Now it's like, I mean, there is great barbecue every corner now. <laughs> it's and, crazy. and it seems like, you know, Austin is its own barbecue place. You know, they say Memphis yeah. style, they say Kansas City style, and then there's Austin style. And you're saying, yeah. hey, man, 25 years ago, there really wasn't an Austin style. Yeah, there wasn't. It didn't exist, you know. I mean, I got to give Franklin credit, you know. Um, and that whole story is a great story, you know. But, um, yeah, so, um, but that's, you know, that's a kind of a plus thing. Um uh, you know, there's good Cajun here. There's a place called Evangeline that's uh, that's uh, um, really great Cajun, not far from where I live. And he gets his boudin from Beaumont, from DJs in Beaumont, which is, so I know it's real boudin. <laughs> you know, 
because really most people in Austin don't know what boudin is. They don't know what to do with it. You know, like I go to some of my grocery stores and they have something they call boudin, but it's like that ain't boudin. <laughs> I don't know uh, what you're selling. I don't know what that is, but I mean, I'll tell yeah, you what it is. Not it. Uh, <laughs> but he gets boudin from Beaumont. He's from Port Arthur. He's from Lake Charles, actually. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, gosh, uh, I could go on and on, um, but. There's so much great food here. Um, there's a really great place. Oh, what's it called? Um, uh, uh, okay, it'll come to me later. But yeah, we'll we'll, a, we'll go back. Really, a lot of great great places here. I you know I can't think of all of them off the top of my head. So as we're recording this, um, South by Southwest is coming up in Austin which is a uh-huh. huge, huge musical event. Hundreds of thousands of people come to Austin every year for that. What are, I've, I've seen Shiny Ribs play South By a um, bunch of times. What's, what's your plans for South By this year? Um, <clears throat> well, we do uh, every year. Um, the one, one of the things I always do is uh, we play Lucy's Fried Chicken uh, down on uh, South Congress. Um, that's a little fried chicken place that they, they, they do shows uh, Thursday through Sunday, South by Southwest. So we play one of those days. We're playing Thursday uh, this year at Lucy's. Um, we'll go way down south to my buddy's bar, Sam, uh, Sam's Town Point, down uh, deep south Austin. And we'll do a show down there that isn't really related to South by Southwest. It's just really, you know, for, uh, for the locals, you know, to come and have some fun. Um, and we're doing that with a great, uh, a great band called Los Pinkies, and uh, really a famous band from around here. Um, then, what else? Uh, I'm doing some stuff. I'm doing something for uh, KUTX, a great radio station here. Uh, and then I'm doing a show for Sun Radio, another local radio station that we love. And uh, um, and then Saturday is our our official South by Showcase. Uh, in conjunction with Co-op Radio, our local, uh, really our local small, you know, real community radio uh, that we love, um, and that is uh, at the Belmont down on uh, West Sixth Street uh, at midnight on Saturday. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to take a nap that day. <laughs> so what, what people don't realize about, if you've never been to South by, I mean, it goes literally from seven o'clock in the morning till well after midnight every oh, yeah. day. Yeah. And it don't stop and it don't quit. <laughs> it's a party. It's parties everywhere. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and I really feel like if the conference just, you know, shut up shop tomorrow and quit, and didn't do it again. I think people would still show up that week and have parties. They wouldn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true because there's so much that's not even a part of South by yeah. that, that people come and do and just party and have yeah. a good time. And great bands. You know, you said yeah. you're playing a non a couple non South by events, so Oh yeah, there's great bands everywhere. I mean, yeah. It's it got you know, a few years back it got like really kind of stupid big and there was like Kanye and you know, Lady Gaga coming here, and and I think they decided they wanted to dial that back a little bit because, you know, they were building like giant inflatable monuments, right? Corporate products in the middle of town, and I think people were a little like, all right, that's a bit much. <laughs> let's not let's not go there, you know. Uh, this is Austin, you know, so, right? Uh, so they dialed it back a little, and so it's it's a nice. Yeah, and it starts with the education conference. South by Education Conference has just started. Uh, and then it goes into the multimedia, the tech conference, and then the film festival, and then the music festival. They all happen they all happen right in succession of each other. So it's it's really a few weeks of, of a lot of people being here partying. It's great for the city. Um, you know, as far as just the revenue generator that it is. It's uh, Really, that's a big reason this city has boomed so much is is that conference. Now, um, you guys, uh, Shiny Ribs, put out a Christmas album last year, yeah. and uh, it's great. Can I yeah. tell? Can I tell a story real quick about the first time sure. I saw you guys? Um, yeah. So 
it must have been 2012, maybe 2013. You guys were playing at the Armadillo Bazaar, which for people who don't know, it's kind of a Christmas bazaar and you've, and it's very Austin because you've got artists and craftspeople selling Mm -hmm. really cool pieces of art and cool stuff you can give as gifts or use for your house. So we wanted to see shiny ribs. I had never seen you personally, but I'd heard the band on the radio. So I knew what you sounded like, wanted to go see you. We go down to the Armadillo Bazaar and we're waiting for Shiny Ribs to go on. My girlfriend and I are shopping at one of the little booths there. And down the hallway, I see a guy in a um, Santa Claus outfit kind of come rambling out of the restroom with maybe (laughs) what was an open container, maybe wasn't. (laughs) And... I kind of I kind of pull my girlfriend a little bit close because I'm like, who is this guy, right? And you walk by, make a left-hand turn right up onto the stage and go right into uh the the Peanuts uh Christmas uh you know, Charlie Brown Christmas theme song and yeah. it was like from that moment on I said, this is my favorite band. <laughs> what an introduction, man. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a, it, it stems from the uh, that that market that bazaar got its start at the Armadillo World Headquarters, which is a famous music venue here in the seventies. Is basically through the seventies um, that kind of gave Austin the the cosmic cowboy um, identity. You know, it's where Willie played there, and it's kind of where the hippies and the rednecks came together. It was at the Armadillo World Headquarters. So every Christmas they would have a bazaar at the at the world headquarters, and after the world headquarters um, was lost in 1980, it was bulldozed. Uh, and then uh, they just kept the uh, they kept the bazaar going. And uh, my old friend Doug Som, who you know was a big part of that scene, he he played there every year, and uh, he would always get the gourds to play there. And oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, so that's how I got into it. It was because Doug did it, and it's like, well, if Doug does it, I'll do it, you know. So, um, and so I just keep doing it, you know, because um, it's a great tradition for me. It's one of my. I don't have a lot of Christmas traditions, and that's one of them. Always fun. You know, you you mentioned uh, you mentioned Doug Sam, and he was such an integral part of that Austin music. I mean, he's from San Antonio, but such an integral part of yeah. what happened in Austin during the seventies and eighties. And I just yeah. saw that documentary that uh, was at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. If, if you yeah. haven't seen it, fantastic. Everyone should go and watch that documentary about uh, Doug Som. but ta- yeah. talk a little bit about Doug, maybe your relationship with him and some of his um, influence mm-hmm. on Austin. Yeah. I mean, I, I I knew she's about a mover, uh, but until I moved to Austin, I didn't I didn't know Doug Son that well. Uh, but once I moved here, that his his reputation, his image, his music, it just it it found me, you know. And um, so and he's been he was been a huge influence on my life ever since. So um, yeah, Doug was a great. Um, innovator he was a great he was an alchemist a musical alchemist you know he drew from all styles of music a true musical genius i think um what he did the things he combined and the way he i mean he could play anything any style uh and a great he was a great songwriter wrote so many cool songs um and uh and he did he he is sort of was one of the one of the catalysts of the austin scene in those early days he really kind of made this scene happen him and a lot of you know other people but i mean he was a big part of it and he had so much energy the guy was like he was a dynamo that guy just pure energy that guy uh and great energy positive energy and we, you know when he walked in a room too he, he you knew he was there he took over the room you couldn't help but no doug was in the room so um but i met him in belgium of all places we were already been we were in belgium playing a festival and uh, we knit the tornadoes, Texas tornadoes had been there the night before. And so we were eating in the mess tent, and here come all the Texas tornadoes. And we're like, oh, dude, that's them. You know, we were total fanboys, you know, about that. And uh, there they all were, you know, Doug and Augie and Flacco and Freddie Fender, they were all there. And, uh, and we just, we left them alone. We played it cool, but we were, admired them. And, 
And then we're like, well, since he's here, let's play. You know, we played a bunch of Doug's song covers. Um, so we did this song of his called At the Crossroads. Leaving you know, heading down the road. So we did that one. It's a cool, uh, real broody, groovy song, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and the promoter, uh, you know, pointed out to Doug, you know, to listen. He said, these guys are playing a song. And Doug, you know, went closer to the stage and the promoter kind of nudged him to go on up. And Doug was, was he was hesitant to do that, which I thought was cool. But um, he did, you know, the promoter sort of pushed him up there. And and I heard the crowd erupt and I turned around, there's Doug walking on the stage and wow. he took them off. Right on, man. We were all just grinning ear to ear, and he he sang the shit out of it. And, and then afterwards, he's like, "You know, you're not playing that right. Let me show you the right way." To play. <laughs> oh. so, yeah, and uh, we recorded with him, uh, did a few songs, and got to hang out with him, uh, and had plans to uh, do a whole record because he had all these songs he never recorded. That he, we would sit around, and he'd play these songs, and. I was like, what's that? He's like, oh, man, I got a thousand of those. And I was like, well, let's pick, you know, 10 or 12 of them and record them, <laughs> you know, with the guards. And uh, and so we had plans to do that, but he passed away. And it was unfortunate uh, you know, that he did. But um, but I'm still I'm still friends with Sean and Shandon, his sons, and they are carrying the torch. Exactly, know, the, carrying on the tradition. Yeah, and it's great. So, um, you know, he'll never be forgotten. And, you know, still play one of his songs every now and then. Um, oh, just nice. love it. I got a, I got a painting of him, a, a Lamar Sorrento painting of him on my wall. Actually, I look at it every day. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I think your last album was the Christmas album. What, uh, what do you got planned for uh, Shiny Ribs down the road? Yeah, the Christmas album, the Kringle Tingle is called. Um, yeah, that, that's a cool. That's a cool Christmas record. Um, well, um, later this, probably in the summer, it sounds like we're talking about releasing uh, a record I've had in the can for a while. Uh, it's called Fog and Bling, and uh, it's probably like 10, I think 10 songs, um, all new songs, all original, and uh, we'll probably put that out, in, I'm hoping early summer, I'm kind of, it's kind of burning a hole in my pocket right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to throw it out there. Uh, and then I'm just doing uh, some spot recording still. Every month I'm going in uh, either with some of my guys or with just friends of mine around Austin, whoever's available, and just sort of recording things on a no pressure, no goals, just for fun kind of thing. And my my theory is, you know, just to sort of just get some just something interesting and loose and fun, you know, um, that has no feeling of trying too hard <laughs> that's the hard thing you know like like this this next record i did i did it uh, it was based on a lot of demos i i do in, in my my shed in my uh, my backyard and, you know when i'm out in my shed man i'm in the zone I, you know I'm, there's no clock running there's no i have no goal i have no you know i'm just i'm just letting it flow and go in with the feeling and the spirit and you get these magical things you capture in the recordings now, the fidelity, you know, is not great. Um, so I've never released those because, I, you know, they're sloppy and I'm playing all the instruments. So it's it's very, like, <laughs> not fully realized, but the arrangements are great and the songs are great and that's sort of the feeling of it is really is what I love the most. And so with this Fog and Bling, I took those demos into the studio and I was going to try and build on them and put... Um, the idea was to build, uh, you know, stronger tracks around those existing demos to see. My my theory was that I could I could still uh, have that same capture some of that spirit and that magic that I that I got out there late at night in the shed, you know. Uh, and I did, I did. Some of it worked, but I think really my next, the, I'm always chasing that sort of free spirit, right? And uh, that's. That's the thing about my live shows is there's a freedom. There's a free spirit involved in it. It's wide open and anything can happen and there's no rules and it's just completely open. And so to make music, to record music that way, it's kind of a trick. It's not easy to do, you know, um, for me anyway. Because um, I always feel like when I go to a studio, I'm, I have a goal in mind and I'm focused and that sort of tends to... Um, 
to define it in such a way that uh, it keeps things a little too within the lines, right? And I can't, I don't feel entirely free, um, mainly because, you know, I'm paying, I'm paying for it, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so it's economic issue, and it's like, yeah, economics can, it always ruins things, right? So, um, so yeah, my thinking is if I go in at smaller, shorter periods of time and money's not such a big issue, I spread it out over time, then I go in and I'm not trying to catch anything. I just, whatever happens, happens. And if we do catch something magical, then it'll be great. And I'll have, I'll have it'll sound really good too. So I'll, I'll want to put it out, you know, because I am, I do want it to sound good. I don't want to put out lo-fi, sloppy, you know, stuff. But some people have encouraged me to. Maybe I should. I don't know. I've just never felt. I always felt like I should do a, do the, the the song justice and have the fidelity and the the sound. You know, have it professionally sound. You know, good. Um, so you can hear everything. You know, that's going on and and for the parts to be fully realized and the arrangement, and everything. So. Um, yeah, so that's what Fog and Bling is that. It's sort of uh, that idea of taking the demos and into taking the, the free spirit into the uh, to the den of iniquity and uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to frame them in a way that still maintains that original feeling, but uh, maybe sounds a little better. Uh, and I think I think we did we did a great job, I and mean, we captured something really great. And it's a it's a unique record. It's different than anything I've done, which is always what I'm going for. I don't want to make the same record twice either. So, um, so that that's what's good about it. Uh, and then who knows? Later in the year, I might just start throwing some singles out there, or I might do like an EP. I'm just trying to think of creative ways to do it because you know, in the business of music, there are no rules anymore. Um, I'm, I'm I'm old school, and I adhere to the to the album, you know, I like making albums, and I think of my songs being grouped into albums, but really, you don't have to do that anymore, and, um, you know, the technology and the way people listen to music really uh, generally doesn't adhere to those principles anymore, so I think, you know, I, I'm just trying to think of outside of the box and ways to, to make and release music, um, so that... Going forward, that's going to be kind of what I'm going to play with is that just trying to think outside of that, the realm of the album. I'll still make albums, but I might make them different ways and they might appear in different ways. You know, instead of making one album that I put out every two years, I mean, I might put out three albums in a year, you know, but they all might be different, recorded differently and uh, done a different way. Or I might put out just like one single with a video or Hell, I don't know. I might make a movie. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I write a book. <laughs> Perfect. And I, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to follow Shiny Ribs on Facebook because you often will post these little snippets of you just yeah. hanging out, whether it's in your car or in the studio mm -hmm. or whatever, just posting something really fun and interesting. Yeah. 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 I love to do that. The Facebook Live thing is fun uh, to do. You know, you can do it whenever you're sitting around doing nothing, you know, if I got my ukulele, then I'll let it rip, you know, and I, I'm, I've got the ukulele fever again, I kind of got away from the ukulele for a while, but now I'm, I'm in a, a period of, of learning, great learning, and learning a lot of songs on the ukulele, uh, and I love trying to learn songs that you wouldn't think could be, should or could or should be played on the ukuleles, like, uh, you know, I'm Your Boogeyman by Casey and the Sunshine Band, <laughs> Southern Nights, Alan Toussaint, Southern Nights, you know, oh. I'm figuring yeah, you know, Stevie Wonder, Superstition. I got a very an arrangement of that on the ukulele. It's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. I love I love the ukulele that way. It's so versatile. Yeah. So there, there's not a lot of ukulele players in Texas. What 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 made you think of picking up the ukulele? Uh, it was my mother-in-law, um, uh, Myrna. She um, she uh, had a ukulele that she had when she was a kid, and she gave it to me. So her grandchildren, my children, uh, and her daughter's children could learn it. And so I fixed it up and tuned it, restrung it, and learned a little bit about it, and sort of had it around. And none of them really ever took much interest in it. But I sure liked playing it. So <laughs> <laughs> I started playing it. I was like, man, you know, I think I'm going to get a real ukulele, you know. And I, I got a real ukulele and started writing on it and, and playing it and uh, really fell in love with it, uh, really writing on it. 
I, I have a lot of different instruments, and I think that's a good uh, bit of advice for songwriters uh, is when you sort of feel things are getting stale and you don't have any ideas, the, the idea is to take up a new instrument because it dumbs you down. It makes you dumb again. And, you know, it's good to be dumb sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like, because it, that re, when you, when you dumb yourself down and you, you start to learn again and it, and it fires these parts of the brain that you haven't been using, right? Cause you're, cause you got comfortable. You knew everything about the guitar already. So you knew everything about writing songs, you know, using the same chords all the time. So you get a new instrument, you have to rethink everything and learn to play again. And it just makes you think a different way. And you hear, you hear things a different way and it gives you different ideas. So that, that's kind of what the ukulele did for me at that time was, uh, it sort of re reinvigorated my songwriting and, and gave me a different way of thinking musically. Uh, because I, I did dumb myself down. And I've done that with a lot of instruments, you know, but ukulele I've come back to now. Um, in a, I got it in a different way. So, um, I, I, again, I, I'm trying to learn trying to learn more jazz songs on the ukulele. I don't know jazz that well, but I, I thought I really would like to learn learn to play jazz songs on the ukulele for some reason. I don't know why. It's just what I want to do. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, we'll remind people when, when, we, when I see that album come out, we'll remind them about it on the podcast. And before I let you go, let's uh, remind people to go to shinyribs.com for all your tour dates. You guys are touring uh, throughout the summer. You guys are in lots of different places. You can also get music and merchandise and all that stuff at shinyribs.com. It's actually shinyribs.org. Oh, it is. Sorry. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> shinyribs.org. Yes, thanks. Go there, man. Um, I can check that, but one day I will. (laughs) Kevin, it's been just a real treat talking to you. Love the stories. Love the food talk. And uh, we'll see you down the road, man. All right, brother. Have fun in Honolulu. Thanks. Talk to you. I'm telling you, Kevin's got such a great larger-than-life personality. The guy knows how to tell funny stories. And I think his personality, that larger-than-life personality, really translates to both the Shiny Ribs records and to the Shiny Ribs live shows. See him if you possibly can. And if you're not going to be in Austin for South by Southwest, if you can't see them while they're on tour, then you can catch them this weekend on Austin City Limits. They do a fantastic performance on Austin City Limits. This is a rerun from earlier last year, but it's still a great performance and you can get a taste of what it's like to see Shiny Ribs live. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. Join me every Friday when we drop a new episode. And if you can't wait till then, check out DestinationEatDrink.com. We've always got something interesting on that. All the foodie hotspots that we talk about, not only on the podcast, but tons of other places that we haven't had time to hit so far. And new places are going up all the time. In fact, I just put up a new one on the country of Malta, a tiny island country in the middle of the Mediterranean that has a fantastic food culture. My name's Brent Peterson. Destination Eat Drink has been distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast 